Kids, you are now dismissed. You may be seated. Well, this Sunday, we finish our long series called Story, and we have been going through several different people's lives from the Old Testament, starting with the beautiful, wonderful story of Joseph, and now we end in chronological order with the life of Josiah. Now, we've spent some time in different people's lives for a long period of time, but we're only going to spend one week in the life of Josiah because we're going to talk about gratitude next week, which is very right on time for Thanksgiving. And then we're going to start our Christmas series called Born, the King Has Come. And after that, we're going to start in January. We're going to have seven weeks on the seven churches in the book of Revelation. So I'm excited about where we're going in the next couple of months as we look to the word of the Lord. Well, we're going to look at the story of Josiah, and today's title is In Pursuit of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love again. I thank you so much for your presence with us. It is very palpable. We can feel that you are with us this morning, and we thank you. I pray, God, that you'll bless this time, that as we open up the Word of God together, that you'll bring transformation to our lives, not just information to our minds. We ask this in your holy and precious name, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almost five years ago, before we moved from Pittsburgh to Indiana, we had a lot of people coming over to our house to help us pack. And we have the door wide open for several hours as people are coming in and going out. And about two hours into it, we realize we can't find our cat Onyx. Now, we are thinking Onyx has run away. She's gone. We can't find her anywhere in the house, under beds, where she used to hide, up on the vents. And we just can't find the cat. And our kids are stressing out. Liam was two, so he didn't really understand what was going on. But MJ and Amelia were freaking out, as you can imagine. And Amelia was going door to door throughout our neighborhood, on our street, knocking and saying, have you seen our cat? Have you seen our cat? And everyone said no. And so Amelia, in her little handwriting, scribbled a note that said, cat wanted, please find cat, $2 reward. She was super pumped about this because that was all she had in her piggy bank. And we searched high and low, high and low, high and low for this cat for about three hours. I mean, the pursuit of this cat was insane. I've never seen our children so focused on finding something in their entire lives since then even. But what was happening was the cat had found her way into a secret nook into our bathroom. And as one of our children were going to the bathroom, they heard the cat meowing. Now, we had a very small house in the city, as you can imagine. And where our, our bathroom was smushed together where we had an access point to get to the bathtub's plumbing. That's how in small it was. And the cat had got underneath the cast iron tub somehow that was put in there, and she was meowing. Finally, we got the cat out and safe. And we took down the $2 reward because Amelia didn't want to lose her money. <laughs> I share that story because there was this passionate pursuit of something that was love. A cat. Now I know some of you think that a cat is best dead rather than alive. That's not our family's belief. We love our kittens. But there was this heavy pursuit 
And I think that that's supposed to be an image for us this morning of how we are to pursue after the Lord. With everything we have, with passion, with this desire to not give up until we have found that which we've been searching for, this pursuit of God. But often it's not something that we do. We're okay to just sit back and relax and chill and come to church every once in a while or every Sunday, but there's no heavy pursuit of God. And because of this, there's many malnourished Christians. There are many malnourished believers who are underfed and don't even realize it. This pursuit is supposed to grow us, encourage us, strengthen us. A book that has meant so much to me in my life is a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. And I try to read that book every year because it reminds me of this passionate pursuit and my malnourished life if I do not pursue after the Lord. It's small. He wrote it in a 48-hour train ride from Chicago to another place. I can't remember the destination. But God downloaded this into his life and he wrote it out and it is one of the most popular books in Christian literature today. So I want you to write that down. If you have never read the book, Write The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer and read it this year before the year ends. It is a phenomenal book. And the story of Josiah speaks to this pursuit of God. This is one of those sermons I just love to preach. I get up in the morning and I'm like, yes, this is one of those ones that is so good because it is the very lifeblood of our Christian life, pursuing after God. I believe that Josiah's life answers the question then, what happens in our lives when we pursue God, right? We have this, hey, we need to pursue God, and we have this sense of, yeah, this urgency, we need to pursue God, but there's always the question, so what? If I do that, what does that do in my life? How is that so important? Why is it vital to my life? And I believe Josiah answers that question. We're going to read just two verses as we launch into the background of Josiah's life before we continue on. And that's 2 Chronicles 34. So if you have your Bible, open it up to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, because we're going to be in 34 the entire sermon. 2 Chronicles 34, 1 through 2. And it's on the screen. If you're online, you could read it on your television or your iPhone or your iPad, whatever you're watching on. 2 Chronicles 34, 1-2. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father. And he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Man, Josiah started as an eight-year-old kid. I don't care how young you are in this room. You can be a person of pursuing God, and you can change the world. It doesn't matter how young or how old you are. You see, I think sometimes we hold our kids to a little bit of a lesser, oh, they're just kids. No, they can pursue God as well, passionately pursuing God as we encourage them. And as I was reading the story of Josiah, I couldn't help but notice his passionate pursuit of God. 
we see this eight-year-old come into the power of reigning, and he has a wonderful mother and wonderful mentors who encourage him and direct him towards his life. And I believe that there are four impacts that we can see in the life of Josiah as we pursue God. And the first impact we see is that pursuing God opens our eyes to the idols in our lives. Pursuing God opens our eyes to the idols in our lives. So we'll read now 2 Chronicles 34, verses 3 through 7, to understand why that's an impact from Josiah's life. Starting in verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, he's now 16, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, that's now 20 years old, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram and the carved and the metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence. And he cut down the incense altars that stood above them. And he broke into pieces the ashram and the carved and metal images. And he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem and in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon and as far as Naphtali in their ruins all around. He broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder and cut down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. And then he returned to Jerusalem. Man, Josiah is a cool king. He's eight years old when he takes the throne. When he's 16, he passionately pursues God with everything he has. And then by the time he's 20, he's destroying everything that was an idol taking the place of God. He broke it down to powder. I mean, just imagine the bales and the ashrams, all of that has been happening for years and years and years. And here comes this 20-year-old and he says, no more. I've been with God. I've seen God. I've been passionately going after our Lord. And these things are offensive to our God. We will not have these in our place anymore. We see this sentence. I love how quickly it goes from his 16-year-old to his 20-year-old as he's reigning in his 12th year. In those four years, we can see that Josiah's passion for the Lord increased his desire to make the Lord's name great in the land of Israel. He was able to see the idols in his own life, the idols in the lives of all of the Israelites. And he wasn't just going to let it go. He was going to deal with it. And before Josiah could do anything about anything else in Israel, he had to pursue God to determine what were those idols in his life. And before he could move forward with Israel becoming changed and challenged, those idols had to be gone. Listen, you and I have idols in our lives. When we pursue God with all that we are, one of the ramifications of that pursuit will be that the Lord will open up our eyes to the idols that you and I have in our lives. You and I have idols. What are they? What are those things that are replacing our passionate pursuit for the Lord? 
What do we spend our time doing? Where are we spending most of our time? How are we utilizing the short time on earth that we have? Because our lifespan is but a blink to the Lord. What are we doing with our lives? Are we pursuing after Him and seeing these idols and desiring their destruction? Because I tell you, when you spend time pursuing the Lord, those things that you have built up in your life that are idols, He will point them out. Sadly, sometimes this is why we avoid pursuing God, because we know the idols that are in our lives, and we don't want Him to destroy them. But we need to. We need to allow the Lord to point those idols out. God's presence gives us the power to tear down our idols. Our eyes will be open to the idols in our lives. And God's presence gives us the power to tear down our idols. Listen, if it weren't for God's presence in the life of Josiah, if it wasn't for his pursuit after God, he wouldn't have seen the idols and he wouldn't have had the capability of going and destroying them. What's interesting is that as a 20-year-old young king, he's breaking down all of these idols. We don't see or read about any pushback from the people. He was leading from 8 years old to 20, 12 years, and the people began to trust him. I mean, that just blows my mind that an eight-year-old can take the throne, and by the time he's 20, he has the people following him because he was pursuing God. The people realized that he was a king worth following. They saw his passion. They saw his strength as a king and as a leader, not because of himself. I mean, you look at 20-year-olds nowadays and around the world, and you would say, oh, they still haven't even grown up yet. Still living in their parents' basement in their Star Wars pajamas. Playing video games all day long. Right? That's not every 20-year-old, but it happens. But he was 20, leading a nation with passion because he was in pursuit of the Lord. Please, ask the Spirit of God, what are the idols in your life? And allow his presence to destroy those things. Because the weight that will be lifted off of you and the ability for you to pursue more of what God has for you will be greater than you could ever imagine. The second impact that we see in the life of Josiah of pursuing God is that pursuing God changes our desires. Changes our desires. Second Chronicles 34, 8-10 says this, now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had cleansed the land and the house, he sent Saphram, the son of Azaliah, and Messiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord, his God. They came to Hilkiah, these names are fun, the high priest, and gave him the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, which the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and all of the remnant of Israel and from all Judah and Benjamin and from the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they gave it to the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord. And the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord gave it for repairing and restoring the house. Now, you might be wondering why do you say that it's giving a desire, uh, following the desire, pursuing God brings our desires in alignment with God because God desired his house to be a place of worship. 
all of these other kings had allowed the house of God to crumble, to be a place that was not a worship of the Lord. It was a place that you di they didn't take care of. The, the paint was chipping, and the bathrooms were not working. This, this imagery that comes into our mind, imagine if we just allowed this church building to fall apart for the next 20 years and we didn't do anything with it. That's exactly what was happening for all of these years to the house of the Lord. And Josiah knew this to be wrong. He knew that the house of the Lord was important. He knew that worshiping the one true God in his presence at the altar, at the place where God dwells, as, Mo as M Moses and Aaron have shown, the Ark of the Covenant should be in that place. They should be repairing the house of the Lord. Josiah's desires changed because he was seeking after God. The closer Josiah got to God, the more he began to care about what God cared about. And God's desires need to be our desires. How often are our desires in line with the desires of the Lord? Really think about it. How often do we align our desires with His? Now we might say, oh, well, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to do this and go to church and read my Bible. But listen, that's, it's not a duty. It should be a desire. Right? I mean, imagine you wake up next to your spouse and you say, oh, I have to kiss her good morning. She'd feel really great about that. Right? Here's my dutiful handshake hug kiss before I leave. But I checked it off. I mean, that's exactly what happens when we come to the Lord in just duty rather than desire. Is your life marked by a desire that's in line with the desire of God? When we read the scripture and we see what we're called to be, we see what we're called to do, we see that we're called on mission as we were reminded all through Jonah's life in the month of October. When we pursue him, our desires will line up. We won't want to waste our time. We won't want to, as I say about my kids, dinging around, where they just do silly, stupid stuff that wastes time. I call them dinging arounders when they do that. I know it's very Pittsburgh, right? But are our desires aligned with his? I mean, when we pursue him, we will see it changes. The closer we come to God, we will find that our hearts, too, begin to care about what he cares about. Warren Wearsby said it wasn't enough just to destroy the idol worship in the land. The temple had to be available for the worship of the true and living God. When our desires come in line with him, we will care for the lost. We will care for the broken. We will desire to see heaven come to earth as Jesus calls us to pray. Seeing the transformation of this world by the power of our living God. I fear that we've missed this longing, this pursuit after God. We're too content. Man, we should have a holy discontent. 
We should be content with our lot in life where we are because God has brought us there, but we should never be content with how much we have of the Lord, ever, ever. We should be discontent and desire more of Him. I apologize for my runny nose. The third impact we see is this, that the Word of God brings total transformation. The Word of God brings total transformation. 2 Chronicles 34, 18-21 says this, Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. <laughs> and Shaphan read from it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes and the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, Abdon, the son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Asaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out on us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do according to all that was written in the book. Check this out. They don't even know what the Bible was. They had forgotten the Word of God to where they call it the book. The priest found this book. I mean, that makes me blown away. They didn't say he found the law, that he found the prophets, that he found what God had written down. It says that they found a book. Imagine that our church is here for another hundred years and they never open up the Bible ever again from this day forward to the hundred years and someone, some random person in the church who is a, an elder or a deacon, they go into the closet and they find one of our Bibles and they say, I don't know what this book is. Hey, pastor, I found a book. How ridiculous is that? Sadly, I think that that has happened in a lot of our consumer Christianity where there's just these really nice motivational speaking things about, you know, the movies and the, the narratives and these things, but they never open up the Bible. I was talking with a friend of mine from our church. They said they were visiting different churches and they'd been to a place where they didn't even open up the Bible one time. It's just a book, but no, it's the Word of God. The Word of God is transformative. The Word of God is alive. And when Josiah heard the Word of God, he was broken. He realized, oh, we've not lived that out. We are so far away from that. And because he was pursuing God, he knew that this was the very word of the living God. And it convinced and convicted him in his life. And he said, guys, we are a mess. Have you ever read the Bible and said, I feel really good about myself right now? I, I don't. <laughs> I read the Bible and I'm like, "Woo, I'm a mess. Jesus, help me out. I need to be changed and transformed because the word of God is living active and breathing and the Holy Spirit will make the word of God come alive to us 
When we read the Word of God, are we inviting the Holy Spirit to make it come alive, or are we just reading it to read it? Are we opening it up and reading it like a storybook? Because that's one of the heresies going around in our world, is that the Bible's just a really good storybook. It gives us really good things on how we're to live our lives. It's so nice. That's, that's stupid. Sorry, I said stupid in church. But it's that, that's, it's that ridiculous. Those stories, those narratives, the reason why I'm taking time to read through these stories is because, guess what? They actually happened. They did. They happened. And those stories have lessons for us in our lives. It's not just a nice little story. Psalms aren't just little bits of poetry that make us feel good. Proverbs aren't just little nice sayings that we can put on a Chinese, uh, you know, fortune cookie. They're real things, real powerful words of the living God. But too often, we do not allow the Holy Spirit to breathe life into the Word. Tozer once said, The Holy Spirit never enters a man and then lets him live like the world. Man, when we go to the Word of God and invite the Holy Spirit to fill us and speak to us, to change and transform us, that's a prayer that He loves to answer. Why? Because we will never be fully, fully sanctified until we get to heaven. But we need to continuously work on our holiness day in and day out. And the only way we do that is not because you can work on your holiness by yourself. It's because the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to be sanctified through and through. As we see in 1 Thessalonians, God's word is transformative, alive breathing. And when you pursue God, you will want to read his words more and more and more. When I was in college, and the very first time I'd experienced a filling of the Holy Spirit, the very first thing that I wanted to do was dig deeper into my Bible and read more books. If you, were, if you would have known me from high school up until my sophomore year of college, I was the one that would read the least amount of reading to get the, 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 the points that I needed to make it by. You know, like one of my classes, all we had to do was read the book and write a little note down and turn our little, you know, little card of notes about something that hit us while we were reading. I would open up and I would look at, you know, like the highlighted bolded things. I'm like, ha, that's a good one. <laughs> write it down, turn it in. Yeah, nay. I mean, it shouldn't be that easy. Undergrad should be difficult. But I digress. My passion for the Lord grew. I desired more of him to read his word. It was transformative. Are you reading the word of God, expecting to meet the living God? Man, it changed Josiah's life. One great theologian once said, how people respond to God's word is a good indication of their spiritual appetite and the strength of their desire to please the Lord. Now, if you were to read a little bit later in, in 22, I think, to 26, you'll notice that the priests themselves didn't even know what the Word of God was about. Josiah said, go and find someone who knows the Word of God, who understands the Word of God. And the only person that they could find was the priestess Huldah. She was the only one who knew the Word of God. And she had to take time to teach the priests about the Word of God because they didn't get it. 
Sounds like me sometimes when my wife has to tell me what I don't get. <laughs> the, the next thing that we see, the fourth impact we see of pursuing God, is that pursuing God inspires others to pursue Him as well. 2 Chronicles 34, verses 31 through 33 says this, And the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to, prefer, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. Then he made all who were present in Jerusalem and in Benjamin to join in it. And the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah took away all the abominations from all the territory that belonged to the people of Israel and made all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. In all his days, they did not turn away from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Josiah's passionate pursuit of God changed a nation. Changed a nation. Here's a 20-something, young 30-something-year-old king, and his passionate pursuit of God drew others into pursuing God as well. How we respond to God's word will show our desires. Is your life so passionate about pursuing God that those around you pursue God with you? That's how we're to be. To pursue God. David in the Psalms talks about this, this desire for God so great that he's like a deer panting after water. Now, I don't know much about deer. I'm not a great hunter like many of you are. But I do know that when a deer begins to pant, it is near death and it needs water so desperately. And do you feel that way about God? That you're so desperate for him that if you don't dip into the waters, that you'll, you're, you'll shrivel up a little bit? Could you imagine a church full of believers who, like Josiah, are pursuing God with all their heart and all their soul. Every space that we find ourselves in as believers will be marked with people who are now seeking God alongside of us because it's contagious. We're so passionate. I mean, it's like you go into a place and you start talking about a movie that you love. And you're like, oh, everyone needs to watch this movie. And you, you go into work and you tell them, you got to watch this show. you got to watch this movie. Many of you talk about Chosen, the show, and you tell everybody that you can about Chosen. And you see like at least 20 or 30 people who are going to watch it along with you. Imagine if you talked about God the same way you talk about that. Chosen is good because it is about Jesus. But you get my point. People will begin to buy in because they see your passion. I love verse 33. All his days, they did not turn from following the Lord, the Lord of their fathers. Something else I want to point out. We saw the four impacts. But here's something else about Josiah's life that we can learn. Transformation comes through seeking, not from working. 
Transformation comes through seeking, not from working. We could do all of these things for God, but we miss God in the midst of it. We miss the point. You see, our pursuit of God is what causes us to desire to work for God. This is the great crux that we have between Paul saying that it's not about works and James saying it's about works because we look at this and we put them together and recognize that our pursuit of God brings us to a place of working for God and if we're doing no work for God then we can recognize I've not actually been pursuing God because our lack of work should bring conviction of not going after what God has for us because like I said, one of the impacts is when we desire more of God, His desires become our desires. When we pursue Him, we will want to do what He calls us to do. And it's out of a love for Him. Out of a love for Him. I talk about my love for my wife all the time, and I won't embarrass her, but it, well, maybe I did, but it changes how I desire to serve her. Because my love. It doesn't feel like duty. It feels like fun. Do we enjoy God's presence so deeply that it's fun to work for Him? Josiah got it. May we be people who pursue God. Seek hard after the Lord. Allow Him to show you the idols in your life and to empower you to destroy them. Allow your pursuit of Him to color your reading of the Word and watch how people around you pursue God with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your love. I thank You that we can pursue You with all of our heart and all of our soul. That You're not a far-off God who is distant, but You are close and You desire for us to know You and to pursue you, and to be changed and transformed by your Spirit and the living Word of God, which the Spirit wrote for us. May we be a people marked by a passionate pursuit of you. Amen.